What a beautiful problem to have. We have so many people that are coming to celebrate the birth of our Savior that we are comfortably squeezing together. So this is, this is, this is a good problem. This is a good thing. Um, but thank you for, for joining us this evening. Um, and I'd like to invite you to imagine for just a moment... Silence. Tomorrow is Christmas. And that comes with all the anxiety uh, wrapped in that bundle. For some of you, it might just be concerning what presents you're going to get or whatever uh, chaos the Christmas day itself brings. Maybe it's the Christmas season with all of the music and the family get-togethers. Maybe it's the family stress. Some people have an emotional struggle during the holidays and, and wrestle with depression uh, of loved ones that have been lost or families uh, that have broken apart. Our work or school issues are living in a world with increasing political tension and climate crises and paper straws that fall apart when you start using them and a horseradish shortage in the world right now. That's a real thing, a horse radish shortage and I know that's silly but the world is full of distractions and chaos and little murmurings and whisperings and shoutings that distract us but I invite you to stop take a breath and silence not just quiet, but imagine a complete lack of communication. You can talk, you can pray, you can worship, and yet, in the midst of all of that, silence. Because that's how Israel found themselves. They had their holy scriptures, they had the writings of the law and the prophets and the wisdom literature. And yet, the last recorded prophet Malachi who was the last prophet to appear 400 years roughly before the birth of Jesus the last person to declare thus saith the Lord for four centuries Israel fell into exile in the year 722 B.C., and the southern kingdom Judah fell to exile in 586. And even during that time in exile, prophets still spoke, and yet at, in the year 440 B.C., the last of the exiles returned, and then silence. This nation who had been chosen by the living God of creation who had covenanted with Abram, saying, I will make you a great nation, and the number of your offspring shall be like the stars in the sky. The loving God who protected his, fam his, his people from famine by taking them to Egypt through Joseph. And when Egypt had taken them as slaves, he freed them from Egypt through Moses. He led this ragtag nation 
through the wilderness, literally leading them with his Shekinah glory, a pillar of fire and smoke leading his people. Through relationship, he gave his people the law. He said, I am the Lord your God who delivered you from Egypt. I am your I am. Therefore, live like this. This is the God who used Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. And yet later, as people fell into a cycle of rebellion and sin and idolatry, he would send a judge to restore his people. And then began a vicious cycle of a faithful people falling into rebellion and sin and idolatry to deliver another judge to deliver the people and redemption once again and again and again and again. And eventually, this God established a king over his people. And yet by the fourth king, the fourth the nation of God's people divided. And God would still communicate through his prophets saying, hope is coming. I will be with you. Repent and submit. Even throughout exile, hope is coming. I will be with you. And then silence. 400 years of silence. And so Israel kept going with life, work, farming, worship, falling into a a recycling pattern and routine that even as Rome came in and conquered the land, Israel continued the routine of work, farm, worship, work, farm, worship. And from God... Silence. And the people longed not just for hope, but for revolution. And they were faced with silence. And then the most unexpected thing happened. Not to a prophet, not to a priest, not to a king but to a young, engaged girl that even though she and her fiancé had not yet come to know each other in a biblical sense, she would find herself pregnant. And her fiancé, not wanting to shame her, was choosing to quietly divorce her. And this is what Matthew says about this story in chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This must have been a terrifying time for both of them. But in the midst of that fear, the angel of the Lord says, Do not fear, but give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus itself is a Greek variation of the Hebrew name Yeshua, which literally translates as God saves. The Hebrew verb root yesha means to deliver, to rescue. The name of Jesus literally means rescuer. It wasn't just a title. It was his name. It's who he was and what he came to do. Jesus was born to deliver God's people from their sins. And he will be Emmanuel. God with us, that after 400 years of silence, God sent a message to his people that Jesus was the reminder of when God said, I will be with you, that Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise. There's no longer a pillar of smoke and fire, no longer a voice in the whisper but God was physically with his people. That when the Lord promised his own presence, he sent Jesus. Not as a last minute rescue. I need to hurry up and do this before something goes wrong. Not as in a forgotten sense that he had forgotten his people, but that God was patiently waiting for just the right time. As Paul told the church in Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Jesus wasn't born too early in history. He didn't show up too late. But when the fullness of time had come, Jesus was born. Emmanuel, God with us born into humility living amongst the creation that he himself made to deliver his people from their sins born to die as your substitute on the cross and to give you his righteous status so that you may be called a holy child of the living god so that you are no longer a slave, but a holy 
child of the living God. When time had come to just the right moment, God spoke into that silence. I am with you. This is the Lord that we celebrate at Advent. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And this Christmas, let us celebrate that glorious good news. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, far too often we are distracted by the things of the Christmas season, by the chaos that surrounds us in our life, or sometimes we just feel overwhelmed in the silence. But God, you are not empty with your promises. You are not impotent in your power, but God, you are mighty to save. That when you promised to be with your people, you sent your own son to live and to die and to rise again, to redeem us to yourself. His name is Jesus because he came to save your people from their sins. Let us worship and celebrate and rest in his name alone. Amen.